The Quiet Carriage, the show about books and their authors, with your host, Paul J. Laverty, and sponsored by Castlemaine's signature bookstore, Stoneman's Book Room. Broadcast on 94.9 Main FM and across the nation on the Community Radio Network. All aboard. Welcome to The Quiet Carriage. And this week we're going to hop straight into part two of my interview with the author, John King, about his uh, novella, which is part of the collection The Seal Club, The View from Poachers Hill, which is out now via his own print, London Books, and also features Alan Warner and Irvin Welsh. And if you missed part one, uh, you can listen to it now right over on the podcast. But here is part two of uh, myself in conversation with John King. I've, I've read a bit of your work, uh, Football Factory is probably your most famous, definitely here. Would it be fair to say yeah. you're you're very much uh, sort of boots on the ground author? You know, you seem to be out and about in pubs, at the football, hearing stories, and and feeding off them. And you know, impression of a lot of authors, writers, is that they're notorious loners. But it it doesn't seem like you are. Is that is that a true representation? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just my, it's just sort of my culture, really, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I draw on those things that were just part of my life. You know, it's it's I don't consciously go and listen to people or anything like that. It's just just what's in my just what was what has been in my life or what is in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I like those things. I like drinking in pubs. I like, um, you know, I love music. You know, I, I listen to You know, I listen to a lot of music and. So it's just it's just sort of reflecting reflecting your own background and you know I like traveling you know mm-hmm. I mean I like traveling I'd like to write some travel stories sometime mm-hmm. you know I actually when I the you know I've, I've been in you know vegan for many years you know I wrote a book right. called Slaughterhouse Prayer a few years ago mm-hmm. before that I wrote a book called The Liberal Politics of Adolf Hitler which is a sort of digital dystopian novel mm-hmm. um, and then I sort of realized how much I I liked those that sort of science fiction or, or those dystopian books when I was younger, and I'd never really thought of it before. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the big ones like 1984, Brave New World, uh, Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Um, so all these sort of things you dig into, you know, and, and, and you learn things about yourself. You learn the sort of things that you like. And I, th- I think everyone has diverse interests, and you, and you sort of put them in, in, a, in a sort of context. So, yeah, the football factory was you know, my debut. And yeah. um, I was very lucky that it sold a lot of books and it, mm. it meant I could become a writer. But, you know, you get better. Or I hope, hopefully you get better. You develop as you write. You know, you, be, you, 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 you go into the form of it more. And so, yeah, yeah, you develop and then you have those early ideas that you have and they sort of thread, thread through and then you sort of develop them and then you go off on different angles. So it's like a massive journey. You know, it's a massive journey through your... Yeah your everyday life but also your your subconscious and you know i think alan well i know alan and irvin are very similar similar so you had i think you had that sort of generation that was maybe largely influenced by by punk or you know pre-punk or post-punk um which was quite you know that age that the music was important that was like our literature really i mean johnny rotten said that he said you know mm-hmm. my lyrics are my literature so you know i i got as much out of the lyrics of those bands from from you know the late seventies really yeah you know that was a way that those voices could come through they could come through much more easily through music and that's still the case 
yeah. you know that's the dynamic of music that that you know with popular music or alternative music people go out there and they and they learn it themselves and they take chances and and there are people in literature who do that but i think the system is much more conservative and it's it's harder to you know it's harder to make that work in terms of earning earning a living yeah know? yeah and football has always been a massive part of your life and i've always wanted to ask you about your your involvement in the more sort of nefarious side of fandom you know football firms I mean, wh were you on the outskirts of that? Were you involved in that? Or were you just a, a, an innocent, you know, bystander in that? You don't have to I'll talk about this if you don't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, like loads of kids, I, I was really into football. Everyone was into football when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, and you went to football as a teenager and it was exciting, you know. And, you know, you stand in the home end and you sing the songs and people ran up and down streets. And, and no, I've never been a violent person. Um, but it was part of a culture and you you know we can't pretend you know that that one of the attractions of going to football wasn't you know the trouble it was you know for even for if you weren't involved in it but it but it was different it's different to how it's portrayed you know i was never i'm not i'm not a violent person i was never in a organized gang who goes out to hurt people you know mm -hmm. but that side was you know in those times was sort of blown up um but the thing is, it, it it sort of linked into the music and and the style, uh, the way you dressed. You know, in those days, you had all these subcultures. You know, had the Skinners, and you had the Mods, you had the Boot Boys. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, had Punky, had all all these things. You know, Psychobilly in the early early eighties. So all these things threaded together. So so they were all linked in football, music. You know, the way you dressed. You know, drinking, everything like that. It was a culture. It wasn't. It wasn't really. You know, even the football factory, it's not really about, it's not about violence, really. I mean, the, you know, you have the main character who goes to football, but but yeah. the real important character was was a man, is a man called Bill Farrell, mm -hmm. who was in the D-Day landings and helped to liberate a concentration camp. He married a survivor. And, you know, he's like a hero to everyone, to everyone else. He, you know, he's a hero. And, and, and one of the ideas of the book is, is that Orwell's ideas, you know, about the, the proles fight fighting themselves you know if, if you know why is everyone fighting amongst themselves mm. you know so that's sort of, that was sort of the under that was the underbelly of the book and then bill farrell really is the is is the backbone of it and then it's how younger generations you know post-war generations you know if you think you know when i was a kid you know the pe the older people you knew had been through the war it was always on the television mm. you know it was a big young population and um yeah, and that sort of threaded in into the culture, you know, and it's had its good and bad sides. You know, you had fantastic music that was invented at that time that came through. You had a big young population. It was an exciting time, and it was a rough, rougher time, but it was also much more flamboyant and, um, I th in, I think much more open-minded mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways. And I think it's recast now. It's it's people look back and oh, you know, everyone was terrible, everyone was a racist, and all this stuff. But, you know, that wasn't, you know, those things existed, but they still exist now. And, you know, it was a time when, you know, the original skinheads were really into, into, into the, into Scar and Bluebeat. You know, when we grew up, you know, reggae went with punk, you know, it, it was much more interesting. And, and, and you don't often see that sort of recorded now um, because it's easy to go for the sensationalist, sensationalist view. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a cult. It's a terrorist culture. We called it a terrorist culture, 
and it was the the ter- you know the the culture of the terraces cost you twenty five p fifty p to go to a football game. Wow! And it was exciting, you know. And just following on for that as well, like it, it probably sounds like a a lazy stereotype from the outside to say that literary culture seems today anyway seems the polar opposite to football terrorist terrorist culture. I mean. Was it always that way? I mean, what, what, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Because that world doesn't seem, from an outsider anyway, particularly bookish. No, um, but I think it, I think it's that thing of of. I mean, the, I mean, the editor that I had at Kate Bob Robinson, he, you know, he had no interest or knowledge in football, mm-hmm. so you know, he took the book on more for the for the voice and and for the style of writing, you know, because there is. You know, there, there is a different style of writing to it. You know, you have lots of streams of consciousness and mm-hmm. and you know different different sort of approaches. You know, to to the writing. You know, and and I think with all of us, or or mate, or largely myself and Irvin, you know, we were sort of more interested in American authors than than English authors, uh, just because the class aspect. You know, there was a bigger freedom about you know some of the American the big American writers, and. So I think I think, especially you know, I can't really speak for the others, but for me, you know, there was that, you know, there was a different way of writing. Actually, you know, like you know, I read Jack Kerouac when I was in my late teens. You mm. know, and while it's a bit, it's a bit gooey, um, I like that freedom, you know, that he wrote with that idea of positivity and movement, etc. And um, you know, and other other writers like that. So. A lot of the style is 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 very different, you know, and and he took it on because of that style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just that style was applied to a different sort of a different sort of culture. So, yeah, I think there was just authors who came through at that time. David Peace is another one from yes. from Yorkshire, you know. I mean, he has a, he has an incredible, way, you know, very unique way of of writing of a repetition, you know, and he's just writing from in his inside his world, you know, he's writing about his world or the politics of that time. And you know he's he's developed a style, so he developed a style um, that works with that. So you know you had those writers. I mean, before that, um, it's a terrible term, but in this country they called them the angry young men, which mm. is something Alan Sinister hated. So you had these northern writers who came through, who who wrote in a different style. It's a very gritty sort of style, sort of more industrial. And and you had these 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 authors that break through. I mean, with London Books, the independent that I co-own. You know, we published a lot of writers in the 1930s, a lot of oh, right. London writers who, who write about working class London, London literature. I mean, at the turn of the, the century, um, you had to call the Cockney School in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So sometimes you get these these authors who, who come through. Um, but then after a while, they're sort of marginalized again. They're pushed away, you know, so the publishing industry will treat them as a novelty. And then they'll they'll sort of get. I mean, it wasn't the case with us because, you know, we were lucky to have have Robin as as an editor, you know, who had that open mindedness, um, you know, to do that. But I think now it's I think now you know it's it's all about the means of production, isn't it? Who controls the means of production? Mm. And I think that has become more conservative, and it's it's harder just to work your way into that system now. You have to go through so many levels of education, you know, patronage, etc. And so, you know, I think that is, I wouldn't say there's a guilt on it, but there's a way of, of, of covering that, you know, maybe those people have, I don't know. 
yeah, not uh, not bad people. I'm just saying that it, yeah. it's 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 a way. You know, it, it reflects, you know, we all want to publish what we're interested in or or write songs about what we're interested in. But you need a, a bigger range of, of people. It's like politics as well. You need you need a yeah. bigger range of people. You know, you need people who, who can think freely and aren't embedded in a system. Um, yeah. You know, and I just think the world is increasingly, see, or it seems to me the world is increasingly controlled. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. But then that gives you stuff to write about. So, yeah. You know, in the liberal politics, you know, I look at the digitization now of, of culture, you know, in 50 years in the time, because 50 years time, because the old older authors like Orwell or Huxley or whoever, you know, no one imagined the Internet. And that's something that Irvin writes about in real life is he's he's looking at a similar thing. Yeah, um, because I think that's a big powerful, you know, that's a big, powerful. You know, there's, there's, there's good, good aspects to it and bad aspects to it. Yeah, but it's a way of, of dumbing everything down, isn't it? It's, you know, do you like this? If you if you don't like that, you're a you're a terrible person. Or if you do like that, you're a terrible or you're a good person. Um, like the day um, Dave Eggers' book, you know, The Circle, fantastic book. Yeah, you know about about that about Silicon Valley and about that that sort of mentality that or that pressure that's put on people now to conform to yeah. conform to certain ideas and. Um, you know, so even sometimes the ideas are ones that you believe in, but it's a way it's done, you know, and, and does business really believe these things, you know, or are they just marketing opportunities? So it's, it's 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 a complex thing, but, and it's sort of depressing in one sense, but then as a writer, you know, those are the things that you thrive on, isn't it? You know, you want to write new things, you want to write, diff have different approaches. Um, so those are things that you, you know, you can get stuck into. It's, it's, it's like the great music that came around in the 70s. You know, when you had the three day week here and the strikes and everything, you know, you had this incredible music. You had punk just came out of, you know, mm. sort of semi came off off out of that terrorist cult. Well, came out of that terrorist culture, really. Mm. Um, you know, it came in and it was a music that was actually quite polit quite political in its in in its own ways, and um, you know, and that, and it did massive and and, it, and it's affected so many so many artistic areas since, you know. You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with myself as your host, Paul J. Laverty, and sponsored by Stoneman's Bookroom. And now we'll return to my conversation with the author, John King. I guess my question came from uh, your comment about Waterstones during the riots. Uh, which has just momentarily broken me, but I'll, I'll, I'll get over it. Uh, yeah. is, it, is, it um, is it fair to say that, that not only your work, but London books, it, it's very reactionary. Like you've, you've, you've seen, it's almost necessary now. Is that, is that what you find in order to promote your own work? That's what London books is the, is the vehicle for? Well, we, we originally did it just because we like these old London, London classics, these right. old London novels. And I asked a couple of publishers, but no one was really interested. So we started up the London Classics list. Um, you know, we're we're incredibly tiny. You know, we do a couple of books a year. Yeah. You know, because we're both full time authors, so you know, it's a big thing to put a book out. So you know, that was our main thing was that list. And then we'd done a little bit of new fiction, and it was it was a good way to put out the Seal, the Seal Club books. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, with with um, Slaughterhouse Prayer. 
and uh, liberal politics. I put them out through there because, I mean, one, liberal politics would never got published with a mainstream just because of its, you know, its its stance on mm-hmm. on um, on the European Union. Um, but also at that time, no one was interested in animal rights, you know. Um, so that sort of just gave me an immediacy to bypass that system, you know, that just wants you. Because I think when you have when you have when you have a big book like the Football Factory was a you know big seller, etc. There's always that thing that they want you to repeat. That it's like Alan Silito said. You know, he said if they if it was up to publishers, I'd be writing Thursday afternoon and late Thursday afternoon. Yeah. You know, so they they do try to put authors in boxes. Yeah. You know, and some authors will do that, and some authors won't. You know, and it's not why I want to write you know i don't want to write the same book again and again yeah so yeah i mean you know we're tiny you know but 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 there are other publishers who who are trying um it's the same reason that you had indie labels wasn't it you know with punk and post-punk yeah you had indie labels because they were independent you know and then they grew and i think if you go back all those publishers jonathan kate you know that was a publisher editor you know that they build up they build up and then eventually, I suppose, they get bought up and then hopefully they can keep it going. But it's a whole business model, you know, and, and publishers are up against it as well because the shops have have a lot of control, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you see that in, in, in most areas, I think. You know, you see it in music, you see it in the arts. Mm-hmm. You know, who gets who gets the patronage and who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's an age-old problem. Um, you know, and it's something you have to try and, try and sort of fight. And there are new... There are new obstacles, I think, now with with about the use of the language or the understanding of the language, and um, you know, you see some authors n- not really getting cancelled, but yeah. you know, getting challenged. They want to rewrite stuff, and I think it's the understanding of of maybe of of language in a way. Yeah, you know, the way you could say, you can say something and it means something else, or the way that a story is structured. You know, they'll pick out certain words. Um, but you know, I think, th- but you know, there's always there's always been censorship. Yeah. You know, the censorship by admission. So you know, there's lots of times when when I'm sure there's lots of great books out there that never saw, never saw the light of day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think Football Factory would probably get a get a good publisher like that now. I don't think mm-hmm. Train Spotting would. Well, that's what Irvin said um, that recently, didn't he? He didn't think tra- yeah, Train Spotting would yeah, be no, published. I, I don't think he would. Yeah. You know, because I mean, that's a very that's a very political book. I know there's the film, but. The novel itself, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, dynamic, exciting book. You know, when I first read it, going right back, yeah, you know, before the film, you know, it was just dynamic. It just clicked, you know, and even though it's in a, you know, a Scottish, I wouldn't say a dialect, but, you know, a certain way it's written, mm-hmm. you know, it just flowed for me. It totally flowed for me. Mm-hmm. And um, the same again, like it had that sort of flow of of, of American literature. You know some of the some of the the big Ameri- big American writers. Uh, so it's interesting. It's interesting how these things cross over and feed into each other. Yeah. And again, it you know to me a lot a lot of it is rhythms. You know you can you can look at the official official way of writing, and it can be very stilted. I think you know, and it's one of those one of the things that I loved about the, I love about the the books that we the London classics that we've republished. Uh, is the sort of flow of those, these authors writing in the 1930s? Um, you know, just 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 the way you know the locations and the settings, but also the way they write is, is different 
it's just liberated mm-hmm. and it's, it's very sort of modern actually it feels very modern so so it's easier to read you know some of the older writers i just i just really struggle with they just it just feels no you shouldn't say it but a lot of it just feels very cold and very sterile there's right. no no movement no rhythm you know mm-hmm. yeah right it's it's clear talking to you that you, you still get a huge buzz from writing and publishing is it the same buzz or, or is it is it slightly different this far along in, in your career oh no i mean I, I love writing i mean publishing is it, it's fun but it is actually a lot of work especially when you do it at our level um no i, I mean writing is it's just the best thing in the world you know i mean you just go into another place you know it's 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 fantastic and it's it's hard to get the time and the space that's the big thing um, you know, you need to have the, the piece. You, obviously, you need to earn a living, which is also a big thing for any any writer. Uh, I think they said there's something like four percent of authors in this country can live off, can make a living out of writing. Wow. Um, so you know, so that's if you go back through history, that's why a lot of the big, you know, most a lot of the big authors, you know, they came from money because they didn't have to work. Yeah. Um, so that's the big thing is is making it you know, you know, getting the time. So you, you do make sacrifices. You make a lot of sacrifices in terms of what you have to, to try and write. But no, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I love it. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm just, you know, when I'm on it, I just feel like the luckiest person in the world yeah. just to be able to get lost in a story. I mean, it is a lot of mental work, but it's, it's, it's just fantastic to just get your eyes. It's like a therapy, you know? Yeah. It's like drinking, actually. I mean, drinking, you know, I, I like to go out and have a drink. Mm-hmm. It rinses out my brain and sets me up. Yeah. But I can't do that if I'm writing because, you know, as you get older, the hangovers <laughs> get longer. <Yeah. laughs> um, but no, it's a fantastic thing just to go and some, you know, I'll go and just go somewhere and turn off, not have the internet or anything. And, you know, if you have a, a few weeks like that or a month, I mean, the ideal would just go somewhere for a year you know, and sit in a nice place and just write for a year. Um, but no, it's fantastic. It's 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 just a great experience, really. Yeah. And what can we expect next from you? Oh, um, good question. Seal Club later on. That's yeah. it's not it's not written. Well, you you said you have got another novella. Is that right? But not no plans. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of ideas. I got. Um, I'm just going to have a couple of months off just to sort of. Yeah. Um, look, all the things that you you put off, I put off. Um, yeah, I've got several ideas for novels. I'd like to do a follow up to the liberal politics. Um, um, I've got a story. Probably got about four or five ideas for novels. I've started a Great. a couple of novellas. Um, one is about a raid on a vivisection lab. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got enough short stories for at least a collection that I just need to go through and tidy up. Mm-hmm. And is this all uh, for London Books, or could would you work with another publisher again? No, I'll probably do it with a with a different publisher next time. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I I did the like I say, I did the Slaughterhouse Prayer now because I wanted to do them and and I wanted that freedom because of the subject matters, you know. And um, no, I'd, I'd probably do it somewhere. I'd, I would do it different. I would do it differently this time. Um, no, I mean, you know, being a publisher is good, but it is a, it is really a full time job, but it's not a full time job for us because we have other things to do. So, um, yeah, I'll do that. I, I want to um, I want to do this album um, 
I wrote it with a bloke called Lee Hegarty, who's mm-hmm. playing with Butts DC, a friend of mine. Um, we, we we wrote all demoed all the songs for uh, an album based around the prison house, one of my novels. Mm-hmm. So I need to, I'd like to sort of try and do get you know get that going. Um, trying to develop a slaughterhouse prayer for um, a TV series. Um, I got this idea to direct a short film, make a short film. Yep. So yeah, there's a lot of things, but it's like I say, when you're writing, you never really go off and you know and follow these things, you know, hundred percent. So I'm going, I'm going to have a bit of time off. Um, but it's actually quite hard because I want to write, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we're, we're, you know, it's like when you finish a book and you're just, oh, I'm never going to write anything again. Then after about <laughs> three days, this great emptiness opens up this hollow in your life yeah so i'm trying to resist that at the moment and just just do those other things for a while yeah. and then maybe start next year you know i'd like to write a um as i said to you earlier i'd like to i've got this idea to write this i mean i wouldn't go into detail but this book it's like a chase mm-hmm. but it's to, it's a bit deeper than that and um yeah and i thought to do it maybe somewhere like australia or or the far east or something maybe yeah. to go so I'd like to write some things set abroad just to change the locations and the and the landscapes, um, you know, because I think you're always looking at ways to sort of refresh what you're doing and yeah, um, I think to go outside. So so I, I did that with the liberal politics, which was actually the easiest book I ever wrote. So it's, it's a sort of a satire. So actually, you know, I laughed a lot when I wrote that book. Um, Slaughterhouse Prayer was the hardest, you know, the two major rewrites and took me 10 years um on and off <laughs> so you know each each book has its own brings its own joys and and problems and yeah. but you always have that satisfaction when it's done but then there's always like i say there's always something else you want to write so it's hard to yeah you know you know to switch so. off and um and be a civilian <laughs> it's very hard my wife finds it quite hard it, dealing with me as well yeah no it is you know yeah I mean? I mean we become horrible don't we <laughs> yeah and uh Therapy is a good way of putting it. That's that was good. Yeah, yeah your brain, your brain's somewhere else, isn't it? So you're doing something, but you've got you've got all these words in your head, and you've got all these ideas in your head. So it's sort of, you know, when you're working on something, you, you're you're sort of somewhere else a lot of the time, anyway. And um, yeah, you can't. I don't know about you, but it can get quite irritable, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, John, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. We could we could speak on. I I wanted to get you on the show for a while, so I'm I'm so glad we yeah, we made you. it happen. Your your book, The Seal Club: The View from Poacher's Hill, which is a collection of three novels, as I know, uh, with yourself, John King, and Alan Warner, and Irvin Welsh. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And there we have part two of my interview, and that's the final part of my interview with the author John King uh, about his new collection of which he is a part of. He's got a novella in, and the book is called The Seal Club, The View from Poacher's Hill, uh, also featuring the authors Alan Warner and Irvin Welsh. And that is unfortunately all we have time for today. You can find me across all the socials under the name Paul J. Laverty. And you can find uh, this episode and also part one if you missed it. And all other episodes uh, over on the podcast. Until next time, keep reading.